0: we're now going to have um, a reading from God's Word. Uh, My name's Kat, if we haven't met before, and today's reading is uh, in Colossians chapter 1 verses 24 through to chapter 2 verse 5. And if you've picked up one of the blue church Bibles from by the welcome desk on your way in, you can find that on page 1183. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, The hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not met me personally.
1: Well, good morning, everybody. Great to see you here. Do stay for morning tea Uh, afterwards. We have um, a bigger spread on today, Um, so do enjoy yourself. Make uh, the conversation happen and enjoy some morning tea after that as well. Hey, um, following on from last week, we saw the gravitas of Jesus, didn't we? Paul wrote some of the most famous and dense verses ever, to describe to us who Jesus is so he would so we would see Jesus clearly and now we find Paul riffing on his life goals goals that come from a right knowledge of God goals in life informed by a right vision of Jesus and his reconciliation of the world through his death and resurrection What are Paul's life goals? Well, to use the language of chapter 1, verse 28, two things can be said. He wants to proclaim Jesus to as many as he can and to see those he loves become fully mature in Jesus as well. And along the way, Paul reminds the Colossians and us, the riches of Christ meet us for this very task. I wonder, of all the goals you have in life, of all the good goals you have in life, is one of them For those you love, to see them mature in Christ. Well, why not reflect on that this morning as we walk through this passage together for a few minutes. Now, as we begin, you'll notice that bookending this section, uh, from the beginning to end, are strange words like suffering, energy, contending. You'll also notice words in verse 24, for example, uh, I rejoice, 28, I think it is, Uh, And I'm delighted to see how firm you are in Christ, in 2 verse 5. You see, Christianity has moments filled with hard work and exhaustion and suffering because of Jesus. But, like a new parent knows with their kids, to see those you love and mature and grow in Christ is a delight. And Jess mentioned that, didn't she? To play a part in bringing someone to faith in Jesus is gloriously valuable, is it not? See, for all things in your life that can suck the joy out of life, Christianity is not one of them. So let's recalibrate today some of our life goals in light of the riches of Jesus so that you and me will proclaim him more and see others mature in him as well. And let's be a church that does this together. So first section comes from verse 24 to 2 verse 1. And it's all about strenuously contending to proclaim and present everyone mature in Christ. Listen to verse 24. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body which is the church. Two strange ideas you may have noticed that jumped out to you. Firstly, why are you rejoicing in suffering, Paul? And secondly, the bigger conundrum how does Paul's suffering fill up what is apparently lacking in Jesus' death and resurrection? Seems very odd. Well, we can make a number of helpful observations about both of these. Firstly, uh, the word affliction uh, is never used to describe the atoning work of Jesus, but frequently, of persecution and distress for his people. Meaning Paul's word choice at one level is not implying in any way that his suffering is anywhere like that of Jesus's atoning work on the cross. Augustine says there is no blood of any martyr that is poured out for the remission of sin, Christ did this for us only. Secondly, notice that by virtue of being in Christ, a phrase we've seen a few times in this letter so far, we don't avoid suffering. Rather, to be a Christian invites you into a new world and a new vision in which you will suffer for your faith in Jesus. However, Paul sees that as a means to proclaiming the gospel and identifying with Jesus too. And that outlook in life, how do you adopt that outlook? It comes from a vision of the Supreme Son whom Paul wants to proclaim to all creation. Which means, fourth point, uh, third point, actually, we will suffer here and now for Jesus. But later, we share in his glory as well. Fourth thing is that Paul's suffering is for the expansion of the church, which is the body of Jesus. He says it's for the sake of his body, the church. Meaning the phrase to fill up what's lacking is pointing to the intimacy and the, of the body and the head, the believer and Jesus. It's not that Jesus' death and suffering lack anything at all. It's that Jesus is now intimately aware of the suffering his people go through. A new mum and a dad, or a mum and a dad, I should say, would know this when their kids suffer, when there's hurt in the family, when there's pain emotionally or physically. When you see those you love in deep distress, because you love them, you feel and share that pain in some way too. And so too Jesus feels that way when his church suffers he's aware of it so intimate is that relationship that as the body suffers he's not removed from it no jesus is no longer suffering for sin in any way but through proclaiming his name as you and me suffer for the sake of that jesus is aware and sensitive to that as verse 25 goes on to say paul sees himself as a servant of the church for this end I've become its servant by the commission of God that God gave me to present you the word of God in its fullness. Paul is very aware that suffering has a use by date. But what is not going to end like the never ending packet of Tim Tams that used to be on the TV when I was a 90s kid growing up is the fullness of God's word. Knowing God through his word is a never-ending goal. And it's this fullness that Paul is so eager to proclaim as he keeps pointing everyone to who? The Supreme Son. Look at verse 26. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Mystery here is, is that God is not just interested in one people group, but in uniting all people, all creation we saw last week, together under him through his son Jesus Christ. That's what's been fully disclosed in the gospel. So when Paul says in verse 27, to them God has chosen, he's reminding us that while God did work through a people group, the Jewish nation, he's got bigger plans than just one nation. God has always been about making himself known to the world. And in Jesus, The full mystery of how that's going to happen has been fully disclosed. See, God is not playing a cosmic game of hide and seek. But, through the preaching of his word, he is making himself known in a personal way. Notice the the personal intimate um, language in verse uh, 27. No, you can't because I missed it. Uh, Listen to it, you you read it. To them, to them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the riches of this glorious mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. To them, to them, Paul says, Christ has made himself known. How does Jesus make himself known? Through the Supreme Son, taking up residence in you, Christ in you, giving you a divine goal, the glory of God. God. That is, God's glory is shown in his work of grace to save sinners like you and me, and it calls forth praise from us, giving us a goal and a purpose in life to make God look wonderful in all that we do. That's how you glorify God. Now we get to verse 28. How does that look? What does it look like? Well, he is the one we proclaim, admonishing, teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present them fully mature in Christ. What's Paul's goal in life? What's his team's goal in life? Because he says, we proclaim, admonish, teach. Do it with all wisdom so that everyone can be mature in Christ. The word mature has the idea of an end goal or a purpose you want to achieve, meaning that all we do as Christians isn't just proclaiming and teaching at, as the end goal. Those things happen with the goal of seeing someone coming to Christ and maturing in Christ, right? And knowing that goal is going to keep the Colossians and you and me healthy and growing in life and ministry. And knowing the goal of maturity is something that parents and mums know all too well. I'm sure you have at home one of those blue books you got from the hospital. Have you got one? Yes. And you have charts for recording all the data about your loved little child, you may have an app for breastfeeding, you may have an app telling you when the Wonder Weeks are on, you may have gone to the pharmacy to use the scales because you want to weigh your child and know if they're putting on weight and all those wonderful things. And of course, they exist because we care about measuring growth and the health of those we love. Now, of course, you can live and die by the trend lines and, and it's un- it can be unhelpful, very unhelpful sometimes, but the intent behind them is we want to see those we love mature and grow. And so too, Christianity cares about growth and health and maturity. And just like you need wisdom to understand the blue book and and how to work out how to get through the wonder weeks as a parent, so too, we need wisdom which comes from the fullness of the Word of God and the wisdom of Jesus Wisdom to give us right goals, wisdom to make tactical decisions for the gospel every day. And Paul will get to those decisions, actually, as we get through Colossians more. He hasn't got there yet. He's just giving us the right vision to set us up well for later. But for now, notice that thinking that way, and if you know that as a parent, takes an enormous amount of energy. Look at verse 129 to 2.1. To this end I strenuously contend. With all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me, I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Up until this point, most of what Paul has described is a holy sweat that he's putting in. Verbs like rejoice and fill up and proclaim and admonish and teach, strenuously contend. Effort, right? But for all the effort, notice... Notice that Paul's not digging deep to find in his own true self what he needs. The verb works points to the powerful, dynamic energy of Jesus that enables him to do any of that. The energy he needs comes from Christ's power. In fact, strenuously contend is what we get the English word agonize for. Paul is agonizing to make them mature. Have you considered that Christianity is hard work sometimes? agonizing over how to proclaim Christ, agonizing over how to see others mature in Him. Now, you may avoid hard things in life. You may avoid hard things at work, bemoan, you have to do anything that requires energy. But Christianity does not not let us adopt that same mindset. Hard things and effort are part of the gospel story we've been called to. It's not against grace and love by any means. Christ will keep you going as you put in the effort, a Holy Spirit faith-fueled effort, in fact. You see, God delights to work through frail, faulty people like you and me to proclaim the gospel and mature people. And when you recognize that, when you recognize your limitations, it puts you in the best place for Jesus to energize you. Again, motherhood's an, an apt parallel here. The struggle for your kids. Health and progress, maturity, joy and growth is agonizing at times, isn't it? Watching them almost do something, seeing them travel in life, making decisions. and you, you, It's a hard thing. It's costly on so many levels. Sleep, personal space, rest, relaxation, brain space. And the realization of how lacking one human can feel for the task. But as you realize your frailness as a Christian, It's one of your greatest assets. How? Because it draws your attention to the one who never grows tired or weary, who gives us all the energy you need to be his people. Do you not know this? Have you not heard about this? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired and weary, but you will. His understanding no one can fathom, but you'll hit limits all the time. He gives strength to the weary and you're really weary and not as strong as you think. And increase the power of the weak and we are weak. You see, in God's economy, it's wonderful to see ourselves as limited. So please know, everyone here today, God loves you as you are. His love makes you lovely. And remember, He never called you when you were strong. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Therefore, strenuously contend to proclaim and present everyone mature in Christ. That's Paul's goal. Is that your goal as well? One of them. Now, in the immediate context here, there's something else going on too. Paul says this to pastorally care well for the Colossians. At the moment when he writes this letter, the the winds of influence are blowing against them. And while in verse 5, chapter 2, verse 5, he's delighted to see them standing firm and disciplined in the faith, the wisdom Paul's giving them is to tell them all about the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus now so that as a church, they will fight for the delight to see each other stand firm. They'll fight for the delight to see each other stand firm. He tells them as a community of faith, they need to adopt this outlook in life. Look what he says in verse 4 and 5. I tell you this, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding argument. You know, insurance or vaccinations or healthy eating are all about helping us weather the storms of life when sickness, old age or disaster come at us. You can pick other examples, I'm sure. The idea of investing now well so that you can stand firm later. And so too, as Christians, knowing the sufficiency and the supremacy of Jesus is the insurance when the winds of persuasive, fine-sounding voices blow against us. And being part of a loving community, 2 verse 2, who remind each other that in Jesus are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, 2 verse 3, is the healthy diet you and me need to stand firm. Do you realize the community that you belong to has a big impact on your health as a Christian? And you know, each of you today that are here, as we gather, we can refresh the hearts of each other to that purpose, to that end. Each one of us has the ability to encourage someone else to maturity and to help them stand firm in Christ. And one reason, just one, there's many, but one reason why we gather is to proclaim Jesus to each other and mature in Him. And while right now, for this very few moments, I delight in doing this to all of you together. I delight nothing more than to refresh your hearts week by week by week. Don't forget, you do that for each other too. You get to do that for one another so that we can stand firm. Paul says, I agonize for you is encouraging and refreshing one another an attitude you adopt when you gather each week. Well, may you make that your goal because when you do, everyone's feet get a little firmer on Jesus, everyone's confidence in the Supreme Son grows and together as God's people, we weather the storms of life. Therefore, let's wrap this up by asking ourselves the question. In my stage of life, With all that's going on, am I contending with all his energy or my energy? Is one of my life goals to know Jesus more and for others to know him more as well? And mothers, may I say today of all days, may you contend for your children. Contend for your children in every way to make them healthy and mature. But especially contend for your own love of Jesus so that you can give give your kids a big vision of the Supreme Son. And as a community, let us all, by the grace of God, work hard by the energy He supplies to become mature through all the energy He gives us. Let's be a church that has a big vision of Jesus and works hard so we can all stand firm in Him. And let's do that each week. Would you join me? Yes, Luke. Excellent. I'm assuming you're agreeing with me. Let me pray and then um, we will sing to our wonderful God again. Father God, thank you that in Jesus you've revealed yourself to us. Give each of us a bigger vision than what we possibly can imagine of the Supreme Son. We need that more than anything else. We need your grace and your mercy to us so God give that to us. May we then... Father, encourage each other with one of our life goals to see each other mature in him, agonizing over that, so we can proclaim Jesus and see more and more people saved. And Father God, if anyone here is struggling with their vision of you today, would you lift them up to see you clearer than they ever have so they can give you praise and glory. May we all carry on in the riches of Christ Jesus for your glory and our good. Amen.